Macarion to Stokes, who's onside. Wide out. Here's Sims to put Stokes this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. to another episode of the Saints FC podcast. Uh, alongside me, to my left, I have the illustrious Mr. Tom Parker. How are you, Tom? I'm really good, John. How are you tonight? Uh, yeah, I'm very well. You know, it's funny what a couple of wins can do to Indeed. change the mood. Um, yeah, in fact, it's been, been quite the week. You know, I had my sister's wedding, went down to Cornwall, all sorts of things uh, going on. So, And, uh, you know, all the while I was away, not following Saints particularly, they actually went and did some wins, which was great. That's but a sign there, maybe, John. <laughs> do you think I just need to give up and then You're perhaps we'll do better? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we, we've got a couple of wins to talk about. Um, we have one loss, which we've not covered because... Uh, Due to the holiday last week, we didn't cover the uh, Saints-Leicester game, so we might have a quick look at that. Um, as always, if you want to email into the podcast, you can do so, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. A couple of you have done that, so we're going to go uh, through some of your emails later. And of course, we're on uh, at saintsfcpodcast at Twitter as well. And there's been a couple of song suggestions, which I'm going to try and persuade Tom to attempt <laughs> a little bit later on. Um so I, I think let's work our way through this chronologically. So we'll start with the Saints-Leicester game. And I think I'll start with an email that we've had uh, from Zav. He says, hi, both. Writing this straight after the game, so very angry slash sad. Cannot stand losing to Puel at St. Mary's. Um, for the first time this season, we started strong but couldn't hold on to our lead for even 10 minutes. While I wanted Hoiberg to start, he had a bad game. Remond Lamina and Vestergaard looked good, looked great. Actually, he's called him Vestergaard. Um, I'm not sure if that was a misspelling. or It, it works either way. Yeah. Um, but mentally, the whole squad is still weak. My question for you guys are, when do we start worrying about relegation? And where is Gabbiadini? Thanks, Zav, pronounced Zav. Yeah, well, it's, it's weird because I think if... Obviously, we know now what happens in the Palace game. So mm. to start the relegation talk seems a little bit premature. But Gabby Dini is, is an interesting one. I think, um, uh, I'm not going to blow my celebrity trumpet, but I was on Talk Sport uh, last week talking about Saints. And um, they were they were alluding quite heavily. It was Jason Cundy uh, and Jake, someone in the studio. And they were alluding quite heavily to some sort of bust up between uh, Gabby Dini and Hughes, or the Hughes just doesn't like the look of Gabbiadini for whatever reason mm. um, is that just like the way he looks I mean he does look a bit weird end. doesn't he he, does, he just doesn't look like a footballer no. I don't know what he looks like um, do you think he's he just, just like wants him a, to get a bit of a haircut and, he looks like know, an extra out of Gamora I don't know if I've ever seen Gamora but um, I don't know like maybe um, maybe Mark Hughes does like a more sort of blood and thunder uh, British slash Irish kind of traditional centre forward mm. um, in the sort of Charlie Austin Danny Ings kind of moulds um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's fascinating because if we look at the the, the, the Brighton game, Gavidini starts, he doesn't finish the game, doesn't play particularly well by all accounts. Um, we'll come to Palace game at Gavidini, not on the bench for that. Yeah. So yeah, there's obviously, um, he obviously doesn't fancy him, which is weird because if you didn't fancy him, you think he'd have got rid of him in the summer. Yeah, and, uh, and then I think when he was questioned on it this week, he said that he wouldn't be going out on loan. And obviously um, we are now into September. So I think that means that the, you can't have yeah, more deals. So yeah. he, he obviously rates him enough to want to have him as an option. But I mean, if you're Gabby Adina, you're going to be a bit upset about how far away you are from the two. I mean, especially considering it was his goal that kept us in the Premier Premier League, essentially, last season. Yeah, it seems that um, I think what we saw on Saturday with, with Ings and, and Long up from that, that combination seemed to work actually really well better than I think um, you know Charlie Austin starts the season has been stuttering at best um, maybe right now you know if you're looking at your first three choice forwards maybe it is Ings Long and Austin but um, you know I don't think Austin's place in that sort of triumvirate is guaranteed mm. by any means okay and and then you know the other thing when, when do we start worrying about relegation I mean can you roll your cast your mind back to the moments after that loss against Leicester, we've thrown away another lead once again at home, losing at St. Mary's. Um, were you starting to get worried about relegation, Tom, at that point? My fiance gave me some very good feedback when I sort of crumpled into the sofa, almost crying at their friend's house. <laughs> as well. She said, have you tried supporting a, a better team? <laughs> uh, so really helpful feedback there. Thank you, Imogen. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's, I, I think it, one of the worrying things about that was the 94th minute. You worry about the psychological impact mm. on the players. Um, you know, because if you think about it, like Everton, what was that, like 94th minute? Uh, and then there are other games where we've sort of just crumbled, like Chelsea yeah. at home last season. You know, there are a number of games. Like, Arsenal, we surrendered the lead. Arsenal, we surrendered the lead. Well. Uh, you know, Man City, last game of the season. What was that, like 96th minute yeah. they scored? Um, so we do kind of have a habit of these sort of last minute collapses and, and you know, I, it's hard, isn't it? Like the, I thought the kind of Maguire's goal was a freak goal, mm. to be honest. Like on any other day, it would have just first goal, would have smacked it out or, you know, MacArthur would have just stepped to his side and picked it up and it kind of, time just sort of seemed to stand still. It was a very strange goal to win a game with. Yeah. And I mean, whilst we're talking about goals, uh, we might as well mention Ryan Bertrand's goal. It was a rocket, wasn't it? Was it was a rocket. It was it's, a rocket. It's, I think you can actually vote for it as goal of the month for August. So nice to have a yeah, nice to have a Saints goal in the mix there. Um, the other, I suppose, talking point is Hoiberg, who we'd been campaigning for, you know, from the podcast, and uh, Hughes, um, who obviously I think he must be a regular listener because he does seem to respond to our requests um, every now and then. Uh, he put Hoiberg into the into the squad, but I mean, as I've mentioned, he, he had a pretty bad game and he got sent off as well with yeah. the, the most ludicrous dive. It's, it's he. This sounds he, silly because he, he doesn't seem like say, a kind of player. He that doesn't does. exactly. <laughs> it's the sort of stupid thing everyone always says after these things. He doesn't sound like that kind of player. But you would have thought he would be a more kind of honest sort of player because uh, he plays a pretty tough game, Hoiberg. So you'd think he, you know, if anyone's going to do that, it's kind of a Molina, um, Lamina kind of thing to do. He almost thought, or um, it's only a Buffal thing. But like, <laughs> yeah, very disappointing. But again, like, is that a symptom of? Um, and hopefully it will change now. Is that like a symptom of like a desperateness? Like the the desperateness, to, mm. if that's even, I think that's even a word, but like the desperation to win. 
Or, you know, they desperately need a win at home. The, a player like Hoiberg, who seems to be, you know, more of the kind of like tough, traditional sorts of player. But also a sensible, that. mature player. You know, he's yeah. a guy that has played, you know, for Bayern, he's played for Guardiola. He's obviously a very mature, level head, loads of international caps. But I mean, players that play for Guardiola still dive, don't they? They do, but he went to, you know, bear in mind, he was playing for Guardiola at a very young age. So mm. he probably, you know, he's probably got something about him. He's, you know, if you read everything about what he's gone through in the last year or so, he always strikes you as an incredibly reasonable, mature uh, young man. Um, so was I'm not sure about his taste in tattoos, though. Yeah, he doesn't really need them. They look odd, but he, you know, so it was disappointing to see him do that. And, and I, but you know, but if we go before that, you know, we one nil up, we can see the goal within three minutes, a stupid goal. Yeah. Uh, kind of Cedric kind of forgot where he was for a moment. It's a very strange goal to concede. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's quite a lot of inconsistencies across the whole squad at the moment, because we look back at that Leicester game and, you know, Cedric, he, he's been pretty, pretty poor to be honest most of the season I think and we had a couple of emails highlighting that about Cedric as well um, which I won't get like you know totally into the detail because I think it's going to be more fun to focus on the games that we've won later on in the podcast but you know he, he's been pretty poor for Saints so far but then got an assist on Saturday so yeah I can't work it out is it I wonder with Cedric as well and like, we'll never know this but um, you know, is Cedric looking bad because the centre-backs are bad so if we look at we've moaned about this you know but you know, non-stop saying you know oh god four big forwards peel off the centre-backs mm. they end up against Cedric Richarlison did it this season you know a few a few you know, Glenn Marvis did it last season it happened quite a few times yeah and you see the kind of centre-backs kind of uh, this is one for the people following this on YouTube but with the like gormless look on their faces yeah, the watching the ball go past, past and then and that open jaw as they realise that Cedric's got the big man yeah you know, once Cedric, again you know Cedric who's what 5'7 five, 5'6 five, is up against some 6'3 centre forward mm. and you you so I wonder if Cedric is almost taking a lot of flack for how the inability of our centre backs to attack crosses yeah, well, um, and do you think we should be at least giving him some praise for just actually trying to be there defending it even though it's you know totally I, well, against his skill set I think the, the Leicester game is different because he did win the header and he he did have the opportunity to have a, a, a simple header but he kind of heads it and then totally loses track of the ball and runs in like the opposite direction and Demario Gray scores so yeah um, you, I mean at the end of the day Cedric's won a European championship um, mm. he, you know he's, he's, we, he's probably one of our better players he has to be Okay, well, let, let's move on from the Leicester loss because uh, as much as it upsets you, Zav, it kind of upsets me as well. Um, I suppose one thing that we did have in between, I think, the Leicester game and the, the Palace game, I mean, obviously we had the League Cup, which we'll get onto now, but we've had the England squad selection as well. Bertrand obviously thundering in a goal there, scored for England during qualification for the World Cup. He's out cold now and... Um, Luke Shaw's gone above him in the pecking order as well. It is weird, isn't it? Because Danny Rose is also, I think, in that squad. And Danny Rose doesn't seem to be playing particularly well. Mm. Um, you do wonder what Bertrand's got to do. But having said that, you know, he's got a goal. We've got two clean sheets in the Premier League um, this season. We've got a game. You know, we'll come to talk about the Brighton game, probably uh, the, the coming up Brighton game more. But you know, there's a chance there that you know it's not unrealistic for us to get three mm. out of five clean sheets in our first five games of the Premier season. So... As long as Bertrand keeps doing what he does, he will get back in that England squad. Whether he'll get the top spot, yeah, you know, we know it's quite hard to dislodge players from the big clubs. I, d I mean, I, I'm wondering if 
whether the form is actually going to make any difference to Bertrand. Um, maybe he's done something to upset Gareth Southgate, but or perhaps his personality doesn't quite fit with the England squad because Ashley Young seemed like an odd selection, I think, ahead of him in the World Cup. And then Luke Shaw, who, okay, shown a fairly decent bit of form at the start of this season, but again, not the kind of combination of form and consistency. Um, that Bertrand has. Yeah, well, Bertrand's now what we're now the third third or fourth season probably of Ryan Bertrand being consistently one of the top sort of four or five centre backs in the country. Um, So you do wonder what he's got to do and I think you're right, like Luke Shaw, you know, can barely get a game last season, played a few games start this season, he's in the squad, he'll probably start in the the friendlies. It does seem a bit odd. Yeah. Um, One Southampton player which has made it into the England squad is Alex McCarthy. Well, isn't it great? Yeah. Good for him. I mean, I'm quite surprised. I think Gareth Southgate sees this as a position which isn't necessarily settled, especially with, you know, Pickford and Pope both being out injured at the moment. Um, And, you know, it's good that McCarthy's going to get a chance, isn't it? You'd think he's going to play. I mean, it would. Do you think? Do, well, you think you've got two friendlies. You'd think he'd get on the pitch at some point because otherwise, what's kind of the. I know that England doesn't really work like this, but what's the point? You'd yeah. think he's going to get a chance. I was talking to Palace fans in the pub on Saturday and they were amazed that he has, has turned into a good goalkeeper. They really didn't rate him. Well, they said that he was. He, well, they said they rated him until he had one game against Liverpool and his confidence fell to pieces. Mm. And, and after that, he was a dead man walking at Palace. But fair play to him. You know, he, he bided his time at Saints. He's definitely our number one goalkeeper and now he's in the English squad. It, it is funny how confidence and form seems to affect goalkeepers more so than any other position. Them and strikers because their their failures are so writ large. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, anyway, so good good luck to Alex McCarthy. Hope he does well. Um, I suppose if we stay on the theme of goalkeepers, we actually saw our new goalkeeper in action against Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club in the League Cup. Um, We saw a totally different team selection for that game I mean I was just having a a look at it before Um, so I mean some of the players that we've been talking about who have been missing obviously like well Angus Gunn the goalkeeper gets his chance Um, we had Yashida and Bednarik at the back Target and Stevens on the uh, right back and left back Um, Romeo got his chance to get back into the the squad Um, and then we've seen Stephen Davis and Manolo Gabbiadini as well kind of part of the starting lineup. so very very different side and that was pretty much exactly the same with Brighton as well it was two teams that perhaps not overly worried about uh, the league cup looking here Brighton had a number 58 in their first team yeah I think my three-year-old is just poking his head around (laughs) the door let me just have a look apologies there ladies and gentlemen for that brief delay um my three-year-old is getting to the age where bedtime is becoming optional (laughs) (laughs) more and more difficult you know and he's getting more and more persuasive he knows how to kind of push my buttons more and uh, yeah i think he's starting to realize that you know if he just refuses to do stuff it's actually very difficult for me to me for me to make those things happen but you know there we go um, so uh, yeah any parenting tips um, you know send them in saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com getting three and a half year olds into bed efficiently so that you can go and record your podcast with your mates um, yeah you, you know the channels 
Where were we, Tom? Because I had to have totally um, lost my trail of thought. I think we were talking about the. You were talking about how it was a second string for both teams against Brighton, and I just pointed out that in the Brighton lineup, they had a number fifty-eight and a number forty-two, a thirty-five, a thirty, a twenty-nine, and a twenty-seven. And if you're of a certain age, when you know, one to eleven was, uh, yeah. you know, was still a thing. To see a fifty-eight is is, <laughs> is a real sight. Pitch, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, that's two teams that really don't care about the League Cup, isn't it? But, you know, it's one of those competitions, isn't it? You kind of roll the dice with your second team selection. And then if you find yourself in the quarterfinals, then yeah. you suddenly start taking it seriously. But I care. Like, you know, we were at Wembley against mm. Man United. I bang on about this all the time. But I, it was, you know, arguably the best day out, probably apart from the last goal at the Dell, that I've ever had as a Saints fan. So, mm. like... Yeah, I think we should care. And if, you know, we're not in a position where we're going to win loads of games. Like, are we? We, you know, confidence, we've spoken so much about it. They, they yeah. are devoid of confidence. And, you know, it's a win. And you can't, you know, it's a win against another Premier League team away from home. It's a clean sheet. It's a striker that hasn't scored until then. It's a winger that, you know, for the last couple of seasons, we getting a lot of stick from Saints fans that does a really good bit of skill on the cross. Yeah, got to take it. You've got to, it's good. It's a good result. Yeah. So I mean, really, it was you know two of Mark Hughes's substitutions that actually changed the game. It was Charlie Austin and um, Nathan Redman that were brought on. Uh, Redman providing a really nice bit of skill and then a clever cross which Austin put away. Yeah, classic Charlie Austin goal. Yeah, really, wasn't it? Like kind of hit him in the head and goes in. But fair play to Redman and fair play to Mark Hughes as well for being really positive. Mm. And bringing on probably two of his first choice eleven to try and win that game for Saints. Um, yeah, overall, uh, you know that's job, job done. done isn't isn't it? It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Away win at Brighton, and um, do you think the win against Brighton helped with the momentum, or is the fact that it's almost two completely different teams just kind of render that? Of course, I mean, look, they're all. You know, we know that they will have they'll have travelled home. Mm. You know, all the first team squad would have been at the Brighton game. I, I can't yeah. imagine they wouldn't be. Even if you're not playing, you're there. They will travel there together. They will have celebrated together in the change room. Uh, you know, we, they will have travelled home together. You know, like I've, you know, we spoke about it in the last podcast, but that Man City documentary, one of the things you realise is that it's a squad. And, yeah. you know, the players, in there, there are squad, there, there is a squad and they win together and they lose together. So, yeah, you know, it can't have had any negative impact on the way they played on Saturday, can it? No. Well, I mean, the fact that we won, I think. Yeah. Great. Um, So, I mean, we're delighted to be in the next round. Um, The draw, draw. however, (laughs) is not favourable for Southampton. So I think we were the only all-Premier League tie in that that round. And I think, once again, we're all-Premier League tie. And it's a trip to Goodison Park. Who's up for doing that one again so shortly after? <laughs> and also, it's probably like the one you genuinely wouldn't have wanted, yeah. isn't it? Because it's, it's an annoying game where you know we could probably win, but we just definitely won't. Um, but the, but then having said that, it'll be interesting. You, Everton are probably going to put out a very second string. Is this the point where Saints eventually break their duck at Goodison Park and we see our first victory there since... 97. Isn't that long ago? Gosh. Yeah, God it is, yeah. You take it. Yeah. All right, so great. Well done, Mark Hughes. Good substitutions. Um, We think maybe it helped with the momentum. Um, 
are there any other kind of like talking points about the game? I mean, I did read quite a very funny, quite a funny blog on the um, ugly inside about the journey from Southampton to oh, I Brighton. So. I've not read this. So, yeah, I mean, I, the Saints Burnley game, I actually travelled across from Brighton to Southampton for that. And it's a slow, long, boring, terrible train. But by all accounts, the trains that they have on Tuesday nights are much, much worse than the ones that they have on Saturdays. Um, much less frequent. Um, but well done to those of you that did make the journey across um, to Brighton. It's great to see Saints, you know, so well supported with, with the away fans. And, you know, I love going to watch Saints away. Um, do we want to do song suggestions now? I mean, you probably do. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, um, that's because you know that I'm going to try and persuade you yeah, to sing this. terrible singer. Um... So we mentioned a few <laughs> disco tracks, didn't we? Last last time we met together, so we yeah, had there like, was like a vibe of disco. Yeah, and um, like Noel Rogers is doing like writing into the podcast. Yeah, uh, F- FM Logos as Noel Rogers is a pseudonym is on Twitter um, has come up with another Boney M song. So do you remember the ch- Rah Rah yeah, Rasputin? Yeah, How does yeah, it yeah. go? There he goes. Rum, rum, Rasputin. No, I'm, I keep thinking. I keep thinking of Super Trooper by ABBA. Uh, <laughs> I do know it, but I can't. I can't get it. How sure. does it go? Um, do, <laughs> are you, yeah, um, on, John, tell us. I don't. Uh, I mean, if I help you out by getting you the, get rah, the rah, rah, Rasputin lyrics, is this going to help you? Help you get there? I did like a bit of Boney M. Um. Ra ra Rasputin, lover of the, the Russian, Russian queen. queen. He, he, again, it just yeah. sounds like Super Trooper. Do you think? Yeah, uh, Russia's uh, greatest love machine. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't get the the tune. Too old. Yeah. So um, we might have to come back to that. So I mean, I mean, can you even attempt this one? Uh, I can, but it'd be terrible. Go on, even just, just, just right, like so, so this is uh, to the tune of Ra ra Rasputin. I tell you what. If you want to record yourself on your phone or like video yourself and send it, you know, copy us in on Twitter or ping it across the email, sexfcpodcast at gmail.com. If you think you could do a better job than Tom is just about to attempt here. If if he's he's not necessary. So, uh, okay. So here we go. So, Yannick, best of God, seven foot tall, he's well hard, Danish blonde with beautiful hair. I see. I'm doing, (laughs) doing, doing super trooper. Yannick Bester. It actually works better to Super Trooper. Yeah, go on. Make sure you... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swap this out. I'm going <laughs> to remix. Um, so we did use for DJs, probably. Right, so I'm going to do it to Super Trooper. This is where I need to edit in one of the like... <laughs> of a vinyl being covered of reverse. <laughs> okay, so... Um, uh, Yannick Bester got some for tall and he's well hot. A Danish blonde with beautiful... Yannick Vestergaard Make sure you wear your shin guards He's gonna kick you up in the air And then you start again like Yannick Vestergaard See it just goes on a loop Yeah it works better to super I think, I think we, Yeah, I do That's think we need to sharpen trooper. it up though I mean maybe the, there's maybe a lot the, we could do <laughs> Maybe it, maybe it's just like a little bit complicated. Perhaps we don't need the second verse. Although I do quite like the make sure you wear your shin guards is going to kick you into the air. Shin guards are a good old fashioned yeah. old school reference. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a yeah, good, yeah, but I would... Guard. And also, I mean, seven foot tall, 
I mean, should we be going for like, you know, the European measurements metric because he's Danish, like two metres tall? Two metres or whatever it is. Is he two points? He's more than Tell two metres. walked past yeah. us on Saturday. He's a giant of man. Yeah. So I remember the first time I saw Graziano Pella in the flesh. I was he's just like... so handsome. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was more impressed by his height, but you know. <laughs> yeah, both works. Okay. Um, I think we need to move on from this <laughs> section pretty Before we quickly. get a letter from Boney M's lawyers. Yeah, but... <laughs> I don't think you could prove any resemblance <laughs> to the original track there. Um, but yeah, Boniem, if you fancy writing some uh, Saints, <laughs> uh, some songs for the Saints players, definitely um, get in there. Uh, keep your suggestions coming in. They're, they're really great. I mean, Hoiberg, after scoring a goal, but, you know, is it he's, he needs to have a song as well, doesn't he? Hoiberg wins. I mean, what... what is the issue that we're now, you know, we're such a multicultural team that like a lot of these players' names, they're just a bit more tricky. Also, they don't rhyme with English swear words, which is where most football fans, uh, like, you know, come from. Like, yeah. Latis, Latis, we love Matt Latis, gets the ball. Takes, takes the, the mick. mick. Yeah. Matt Latis. So, yeah, it kind of uh, works, yeah. Okay. I still think the best chant ever is Kelvin Davis, super, Stephen Davis, mm. Kelvin Davis. That was the best chant ever. I, I I really like the same you know, the Ricky Lambert Southampton's goal machine. Yeah, you know. yeah. yeah. Ricky's great. Yeah. Right. So I mean, where do we go from here? We've got to go to um, Saints versus Palace, Tom. So I remember late on last season, me, you, and your dad, and I think my brother had all gone to a game together, and your dad came out of it and he was just like, "I'm I'm not going again." Is that Tom. West Ham. Was it the West Ham? Oh, yeah, game? it was West Ham. That was yeah. pretty... Probably like the come low that point. But yeah. Was oh, we, we, we watched some pretty poor games together last season. Yeah. And your dad eventually got fed up. I mean, this, this, did, this, yeah, this, this is someone who took your... Did he take your mum on the to, date to the 76 Cup final? Yeah, instead of my, my uncle, which is yeah. something that they still uh, needle about. Um, yeah, but my dad's been going for 50 years. Um, so over 50 years 53 years or something so and I think uh, with him we're not you know we won't get too much of a, a downer on it but I just think it was the lack of effort and commitment I think that was what kind of did it for him it was just they just seemed to stop caring and you know he's used to players uh, you know he grew up watching Shannon Davies mm. McCallieog Holmes you know players that really that's almost sounded like the commentary for the same it did, yeah. <laughs> you know the players who really put in a shift every single time and even like in the early days of the, you know the premier league um and i think yeah he just got kind of he, he got vexed by it yeah so i mean which say the fact that you managed to persuade him to you know come and watch another game with you was it does he feel that Hughes has instilled instilled something in the Saints team that wasn't there? I think it's last some, season. away games, away games, yeah. you know, we spent about this before, away games are probably even though you're less likely to win statistically, or actually probably I don't know actually with Saints probably anymore, but uh it actually seems to be more fun mm. uh for a start. Um so yeah, but I think as well also, he, also Selhurst Park's Selhurst Park's a cracking ground, yeah. 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 Um no, but I think he, I, I, I think he, and I think I, and I agree with, you know, I agree with this, is that there seems to be a group of players there now that actually, um, you can imagine, want to be there mm. a little bit more. And players like Danny Ings, I think they've given everyone around the club, fans, players, staff, everyone seems to have enjoyed a lift from, from Danny Ings. So, yeah, reasons to be cheerful heading into the Palace game. And Saints, 
started the game, I mean, by the accounts I've read, I mean, you were there, so you can fill me in on the details. Saints started that game pretty strongly. They did. Yeah. And with uh, Shane Long and Danny Ings works. Yeah. Because they're, in, they're both a nightmare. Uh, you know, Shane Long's running off the ball. Danny Ings is really strong. Danny Ings, Danny Ings is really clever as well. Yeah. That's the thing about Danny Ings. He's like a very intelligent footballer. He's always trying to do something. Um, yeah, Saints played really well. Lamina uh, looked very good. First half was really all Saints. But again, you know, how many times, how many times have Saints fans in the last sort of two years gone, yeah, first half's all Saints, but we ain't scored. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's really good to think of us uh, starting positively. Uh, I've just thought, you know, so I might mention as to why I'm going to be a little bit light on the details for this game. Was I was at my sister's wedding. Fair enough, John. But... The vicar who conducted the ceremony actually brought up Southampton um, in the... Uh, all right, so now it's my wife trying to get in. So the second pause of the podcast. Here we go again. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that, that time it was my wife. This never happens. No. I mean, it, it's quite amazing. We've been doing this podcast for... It's approaching two years now. Mm. And, that you know... With a child and a wife who doesn't really like taking her keys out with her. But this doesn't happen more often. Anyway, so back to, you telling, back to me telling my story about the vicar. So yes. he's a Watford fan. Very happy vicar. Yeah, at the moment. And um, his analogy, he managed to tie in football into the like eulogy of the service, right? So... My sister's now husband, he's a Liverpool fan, and Liverpool were playing at the time that the service was, so he was getting a bit of stick from his brothers about that. And the vicar actually gave updates on the Liverpool score throughout the service. <laughs> um, I like it, this is good. Yeah, but he, he mentioned about Watford being perfect, because they've obviously had the perfect start to the season, and Southampton being uh, rather less perfect. So it was quite nice that... Saints actually won on Saturday and then, uh, you know, we, we could kind of like give some back a little bit later on in the evening. I mean, I'm getting married next uh, March and Southampton are due to be playing Man United's, uh, I think, away on the day I get married. So I think if the person who does it, you know, registrar does it for us, my missus will definitely kill me. Yeah. Do you think that'll be a quite quick way to end the wedding? Yeah, I think... Yeah, then before it's like, and before it started, I think. I can admit, I think my sister, like from the moment she walked into the church, the moment the party finished, had like the most massive smile on her face for the whole day, and then when the vicar was talking about football, it was about the only time when she had a like straight face. Bit of a but, yeah. yeah. Anyway, there we go. Um, so, I mean, back to Danny Ings and and the Saints side and that yeah, purpose really, so really, in that first half and really positive start. Yeah. And I think um, yeah, they hit. Palace hard I think you know like everyone was snapping into tackles uh, Shane Long was brilliant holding the ball up being an absolute nightmare um, but again we just didn't have a goal but I think there's no doubt the lift that Saints fans had by Zaha not playing um, you know is it, they've not won now in two years without Zaha uh, and he is their special player mm. I imagine it's probably like if you had to play Saints 10 years ago yeah. or 12, 15 years ago, Matty wasn't playing. You know, you probably, you, you knew you were in a much better place. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because Mark Hughes was asked about, you know, the Zaha thing after the game and he said, oh, we didn't talk about Zaha not playing much, <laughs> which means that they definitely mentioned it. Yeah. And and could you see that in the way the players approach the game? Well, he's a special player, isn't he? Yeah. Like if, you, if you're playing Zaha in the same way if you're playing... Um, 
I don't know, like a Harry Kane or an Azard, or, mm. you know, one of these kind of players that can kind of do anything. Um, Ericsson, for example, like you kind of, you have to adjust your game, don't they? Like Saints would have had to, um, you know, we had a really good dynamic midfield two of uh, Hoiberg and Lamina, but they were able to be dynamic because Zaha wasn't there. If Zaha had been there dropping between defence and, and, sorry, midfield and attack, you know, we'd have had to use one of our centre midfielders to, to, try and manage that threat and let's face it lots of teams probably better than us in the Premier League try and manage Zaha and don't manage to do it um, so I think it gave us a real lift and I think maybe Hughes is trying to be a bit clever yeah I mean Hughes also mentioned that he thought Saints played so well that even if they had had Zaha on the pitch Palace wouldn't have got anything out of it or, or he would have struggled to get a foothold in the game I don't I mean if you look like Palace had a lot of chances mm. you know like Benteke had at least two chances he should have scored. Palace also hit the bar. I do, I mean, Saints deserve to win. There's no doubt about that. Hodgson said it. Hughes was right to say it. Saints absolutely deserve the win. We didn't win 2-0 by accident. But I don't think it's right to say that we steamrolled Palace. I think, you know, we got a kind of bit of a fortunate goal. And then we're under the cosh for the next sort of 20, 25 minutes, which is fine. You're away from home. You're 1-0 up. You expect that. But I, it, it wasn't an easy win for Saints. But in many ways, maybe that's more satisfying because of it. One of the things I found quite interesting about this weekend is that Saints actually had the highest XG, expected goals rating of any side in the Premier League well, this, this weekend. The penalty is, I assume that counts. I, I guess the penalty must be nearly, yeah, nearly nearly one, one on the yeah. XG. Um and obviously we missed that but it's, it's nice to see, see us come out yeah. with over three in XG I mean if you think like the, if you look at it um, and this is kind of a silly way to look at it because you totally ignore that Palace doing exactly the same things but yeah, we had a penalty which was a terrible penalty from Charlie Austin um, you know uh, El Yanusi hits the bar from four yards you know we had a lot of chances um, you know we could, if Saints had come out of that game 4-0 you would have gone okay yeah well you know that's we, we created enough goals to win, win four, we created enough chances to win 4-0 so yeah um, but really positive so many things to be positive about um, from the game from from the back like McCarthy's saves were fantastic um, he had a bit of a shaky start but he really pulled it back together and you know, for once like the centre-backs look good Hoyt looks I mean maybe just we should see if we can play at Soas Park every week with him but he just looked really good and one of the things that he looked really good at Crystal Palace last season he looked as well Palace didn't he? last season he looked like we'd signed uh, like Beckenbauer he looked like the best player he'd ever seen um, as did Lamina um, but I think he, he was really good really strong mm. up against Benteke and one of the things and if you watch the, the highlights from the game his pass out for Saints second goal is brilliant because you know Hoyt so often in the past gets kind of slaughtered for like just whacking it clear, but it doesn't he? He strides out of defence, looks up, fantastic pass with the inside of his, his left foot into, you know, and what, what's brilliant about it is it's into the path of target and all target then has to do is use the pace on the ball to one touch it into the pass of Hoiberg. So really that goal kind mm. of starts with Hoyt sort of striding out from the yeah. back and, and it was really positive across the pitch there were loads of positives and Shane Long was brilliant he was one of those games where you look and you're like that's why we that's why you love him you know you just need to go but so much to be positive about 
So I, I think that's probably going to be quite a surprising team selection, isn't it? Seeing Shane Long starting with Danny Ings. But you were impressed with them as a pairing. Yeah, because if you um, the movement of both of them is really good. And if we're going to play with two wingers, which we did, we still played with... It was actually a pretty attacking team. Yeah? Mm. Play with Redmond, play with Elianusi, two out-and-out wingers. Our fullbacks are two very attacking fullbacks. So if you think that the movement of our strikers can bring in other players into the game and Ings again you know I've said it two minutes ago he is so clever the yeah. way he moves the ball around and he's always trying to be positive and and you know he's a very un, he's very like unself he's very like you know unselfish player and I think him and I sort of Shane Long like Shane Long lifts you you know I just think Shane Long gives people a lift you know when he's playing do you think it's because he's just working so hard that everyone else works a little bit harder when he's on the pitch? Yeah, but he's a nightmare. Yeah. You know, like he he gives everyone like every single ball he chases down. Like there's you know there's no such thing as a wasted punt up the pitch because Shane Long will chase that ball down and, and make someone make a decision, make someone do something difficult with it. There's no rest, is there? If Shane Long's no. on the pitch and you're a defender, you're not going to get a breather at any point. And if you look at the goal, the first goal, you know, it comes out to Cedric. Cedric plays a pass, which is, yeah, if we score, it's great. And if we're not, it's a, if we don't score, mm. it's a groaning sort of head-in-hand style pass. But part of the reason why it works is because Shane Long's run away from the ball. He, he brings one of the other, he brings the other centre-back away. So all Danny Ings has got to do is worry about Sacco. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that Saints fans might grumble when you see Shane Long on the team sheet. But in terms of, you know, football is a fast-paced game all about movement. Charlie Austin has many, many qualities. Yeah. Those are not Charlie Austin's qualities. <laughs> movement, no. Movement is not his, his thing. So Scor- Scoring goals. I mean, if it, we could get Charlie Austin's goal-scoring sp- abilities him onto, Shane Long. onto Shane Long's like effort and athleticism. Yeah. You'd have a top, you'd have one of the best players in the Premier League. I mean, you genuinely would. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd have a fantastic footballer. Well, it was, it was like that half season which he had under Ronald Koeman where he got yeah. to, I think, what, 15 goals in that season. And he was fantastic. Was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so, I mean, what I'm starting to see across the Saints team um, is maybe some partnerships forming and perhaps we're starting to get a bit of a better idea of what Mark Hughes' best 11 is, okay? So if you thought Ings and Shane Long works quite well together, it seems that Lamina and Hoiberg in the middle looks like it's a partnership that could work. And it also seems that like Vestergaard and Hoot, or Hoot uh, are getting a bit of a partnership going as well. What, what I mean, what do we think? I, I totally agree with you. I think you're yeah. absolutely right. And I think you've got players that complement each other. Um, in, I, su- in that. I suppose actually another partnership, which is perhaps less obvious, but Bertrand and Redmond do link up very well yeah. together, don't they? Redmond's well, fantastic. The and you, know, I th- you feel sorry for Redmond. Redmond just needs something to go in. Um, but yeah, I, c- I completely agree with you. I think you're seeing much more of, of partnerships and linking up across the pitch. And I think that we just seem so much better with a four four two. It seems to be so much more natural to us. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think that maybe as well, we need to be more positive and Romeo, you know, we've spoken many times on the pod about Romeo, maybe not being up to where we'd all like him to be compared to where he was two years ago. Yeah. Um, but what he did do when he came on, on Saturday was brilliant. Like he, you kind of like, you do think if we're going to go and win a game, yeah. Romeo is kind of a player you have when you're desperately trying not to lose or you're desperately trying not to concede. Like, And he was brilliant. When he came on on Saturday, he broke up play. He was always there tackling yeah. back, doing that thing. And you wonder whether 
if we're trying to be a bit more confident and a bit more optimistic and take the game to people more, maybe that's how we need to use Romeo rather than... Because I almost think if we start with him, we're almost conceding that one of our 10 outfield players is going to offer virtually nothing yeah. going forward. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, makes things difficult, doesn't it? Well, yeah, particularly in the centre of the field, it's yeah. such an important place. And and did Lamina look a bit freer by having Hoiberg on the pitch? Or did Hoiberg look a bit freer by, you know, what? who kind of had the destroying role? Or did they just they kind of both mix they, and match They both bit? kind of, they're so athletic. I mean, that's what they are. Is they're both obviously young, super fit footballers. I think Hoiberg's, what, 24? Lamina was 25 on Saturday. Yeah, they are, they are at the peak of their fitness. Um and I don't think they necessarily need to have a destroyer. I think that both of them, because they cover every single blade of grass. So, so they can almost do the destroying role without being a destroyer. Yeah. They, they can cause but, enough trouble. And then if but you, have then two if you win- really desperately need a destroyer, that's when you bring them Yeah, and, it, and I think also then if you play with two really positive wingers mm. in Elianisi and Redmond, you can, you know, and with two very mobile forwards, all of a sudden you've got four attacking players yeah um there so i you know i think you're absolutely right i think you're seeing kind of maybe mark hughes going like that's my maybe that's my 11 yeah okay and if you you know what that's a really good 11 yeah um so obviously charlie austin came on uh he had a penalty which is i've got to say one of the worst penalties i've seen i mean he didn't look like he was going to score it i mean we've seen some bad penalties for saints over recent is this our final punishment or you know after having letitia then bt then lambert to have like the last few seasons of penalties has just been abysmal hasn't it it's not been a great i mean do sam wasn't uh the best penalty taker you never really had confidence with do sam when he stepped up um the weird thing is we've got players that we know can take penalties like Bertrand mm. uh, who appears to be able to take a penalty. Uh, Ward Prowse when he plays can definitely yeah. take a penalty. And I, you know, you wonder whether like Danny Ings had just scored. Uh, he'd scored like four minutes before or something, five minutes before, I think, you know, is there an argument for he should have taken that penalty? I, I don't know whether Charlie Austin is going to definitely be on mm. penalties. I imagine seem to be a lot about confidence. It, I mean, it seems that Danny Ings is, is also kind of like leapfrogged Charlie Austin as being Saints, you know, number one striker. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't know what his penalty taking in training is like, but I think perhaps it's about time that we got him up to speed on that. I mean, Matt Lassissi just used to say it's all about, you know, practice. He used to stand there against a wall when he was a kid, just hitting the ball. Like, trying ball, to, yeah. Um, you know, how hard is it for a professional football player to be able to perfect it that you either put it in one of the four corners, you know, from 12 yards? You probably do it 90% uh, of the time. I mean, you? Charlie Austin's penalty was particularly bad as well because I mean, he managed to hit it not very powerful. Along the floor. Along the floor at, uh, a, you know, at a about place a where... About to the right. About the right. So no matter where, unless the keeper... You know, dives out the way of the goal. Yeah. Uh, as long as he goes the right way, he's probably going to save it. Yeah. Um, so it was a really bad penalty. And again, though, we, you know, we spoke about like turning points, like psychological moments in games that Saints have so often in the past crumbled. Yeah. You know, like if you'd have stopped, if you'd have been able to stop time and turn yeah. around to the 3,000 Southampton fans and said, right, we're one and up away from home, we've just missed a penalty. What's, What's going to happen, happen now? You yeah. know, like you, like to a man, we would have said, "Yeah, we'll concede and we may well lose." Yeah, but maybe 
maybe now they're starting to believe maybe with Vestergaard at the back maybe with Redmond being more positive maybe with a player like Danny Ings who again had given everyone a lift McCarthy who mm. they seem to have much more belief in yeah and he's, he's made some key saves I mean none of them were particularly spectacular <laughs> So where was I there, Tom? So, I mean, this time the memory card has <laughs> run out. So, so we've had child, yeah. wife, memory card. We're cursed. Yeah. I've got an editing job on my hands this evening. This after the this. price you pay for a win, John. So I, I think it ran out just as I was singing the pays, praises of uh, Alex McCarthy, yeah. um, who, you know, kept us in the game uh, once again, this time not necessarily spectacular saves, but, you know, some decent saves. Yeah, smart saves as well. Like if you look at even... Even how he gets the ball away from, you know, he he always makes sure that it, if he's got a save to make, not only does he make the save, the ball gets pushed away from danger. Um, it, you know, you often, you know, you see sometimes Dave keepers push it back in six yard box and one just taps it in. Yeah, he, he just seems to have a lot more confidence, and I th- hopefully getting away with the England squad this week will do him a world of good. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I mean, that's going to do a world of good for his confidence, isn't it? I mean, hopefully, if he does get on the pitch, he has a fantastic game, the nerves don't get to him, and then he can just continue building upon that confidence. Um, Angus Guns had his League Cup game. He's had one clean sheet. Hopefully, he'll be confident. Fraser Forster. Who? Yeah, Yeah, Paul Fraser. What a weird thing to know you're not even going to get on the bench on a Saturday afternoon now. I mean, it it looked like he was going to be England's number one when Joe Hart was starting to go down the swan. Yeah. He's Southampton's number three. It's a cruel game. Well, it's in fact, Southampton's number four because Harry Lewis was on the bench against Brighton in the League Cup. No way, was he really? That's a good spot, that John. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously they just. Uh, but they, can they even get rid of him now? Can he go on loan? He, he I can't. Think he can he? It's a lot of money to be sitting there every week. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I mean, we pretty much started this podcast with an email from Zav. And Zav emailed after the Saints <laughs> victory against Palace. So I'm going to go back to Zav again. How good does a win feel? Hoiberg was fantastic today and made up for his mistake last week. Him and Lamina look like a good pairing. Yes, following our trail of thought there. Since they can both contribute defensively and in attack, which Romeo just couldn't. Also seem much more solid at the back. We only wish to see Gabby and Ings play together as much as I appreciate what Long brings. I think we could be even more threatening. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Sav. Yeah. I, d- I don't think anyone doesn't want to see Gavidini play. Um, we just have to be realistic. Like he's yeah. going to play two forwards, which is great. It's something we've all been screaming for 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 months now. Um, but like you know, someone something has to give. And there, you know, for every Austin that we drop, you're going to have a load of people go mad about dropping Charlie Austin, saying he's our best natural goal scorer. It's the nature of the the big sort of squad game now. But um, Gavidini's going to get his chance. We're going to play a fair few games this season. Someone is going to get injured. Someone's yeah. going to get sent off. Someone's going to fall out of favour. Gavidini will get his chance and it's up to him when he takes it. Facts of it are, he played against Brighton, the second string Brighton team, mm. and he didn't score. No. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, let's move on. We're, we're now about mid-table. I think we're 12th in the division after this weekend's games, which I think is probably where we'd all perhaps expect to be at the end of the season I think uh, maybe one of my only worries is that Burnley at home Leicester at home should we have taken more points I mean we've not played one of the top six teams and obviously those games will start coming around and yeah but Burnley are good. I mean like, if you think like realistically like yeah. how many points if you were a Saints fan like you'd probably think that you were probably going to draw against Burnley mm. you would hope to beat Leicester you're going to lose away Everton because yeah. you always lose away Everton 
you might get a draw at Palace. Yeah. So therefore, what would we have had? I We'd know, have had. I always go to Selhurst Park expecting us to win. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, yeah. like, what do we think we're going to have? Like, maybe. I mean, if you. So what have we got? We've got we've got five. We've got four points. Yeah. If we had five. You'd be pretty pleased. You'd be going, yeah. that's a really good start to the season. Yeah, we yeah. lost away at Everton. Yeah. But we always lose away at Everton and we, we drew our other two home games. We won one away. You know, I think that it's not a, it's not a bad start to the season. If you look as well, like we're creating a lot of chances. There's a lot of positivity. And we've got players that are playing. Like for too long, we've had players play that don't look like they're in form. Yeah. Like all the players we've got to play at the moment look pretty damn good. And are we starting to think that you know some players are hitting some form? They're starting to get a bit of confidence. Are we going to push on from here? You'd hope so. I mean, like, it, you've got to look now. We've got a few players. So we spoke about Alex McCarthy getting mm-hmm. to the England squad. That gives hope for Bertrand. Yeah. It gives hope for Danny Ings. It gives hope for Redmond. Those are probably our three likely players to to take that next step. Um, and you know we'll talk about the Brighton game, but the Brighton game is an eminently winnable game for yeah. the Saints and we owe Brighton from last year we do owe Brighton so we've got Monday night um, is that on the 17th of September two weeks tonight, yeah, two weeks tonight. as we speak as, we as we're recording um, then we're going up to Anfield which is probably less <laughs> hopeful oh god and then a couple of days later um, yeah, you actually could make a trip if you're going for the Liverpool game you yeah. might as well book a few days off work Enjoy the sights of the northeast. Enjoy Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool's uh, all right actually. I, I quite like enjoy Liverpool. it as a city. Yeah, my fiance's from the Wirral, so I can't criticise it too yeah. much. So you know, maybe maybe make a full trip of it. Go and watch Saints at Anfield and Saints at Goodison, um, and then we've got Wolves away, mm. which looks like it could be a tricky, tricky fixture. They've they've hit the ground running in the Premier League, haven't they? Yeah, I mean now we're coming into our sort of uh, more tricky games yeah. there's no doubt about that is it i mean it's a slightly tougher run of fixtures i mean obviously everton is you know league cups it doesn't affect the the league table position brighton you'd hope to get a win liverpool it seems unlikely that we're going to win we just don't want to get thrashed. away you know we maybe we'll get a draw maybe we'll get a win yeah. maybe we'll lose i mean that could go i mean any, wolves, any which wolves way. have looked wolves have looked pretty good they really raised their game against man city but there are other games they're not really set mm. the world on fire um Another thing I want to bring up, which I think, you know, this is a little bit of a request as well to our listeners. So um, I've had quite an odd email this week, which has come from a Japanese television company. And there are two um, Japanese Southampton fans. So, so they live in Japan. They follow Southampton mainly because of Maya Yoshida. And Yoshida obviously had a fantastic World Cup. There's lots of media interest in him in Japan. Um, I, don't, I think they probably planned this before they saw that Newton <laughs> and Vestigar were going to be the, the you know, key partner pairing in defence from Mark Hughes. But um, so we've got these two Japanese fans that are going to be coming to England. Uh, they're going to meet Yoshida, and they're going to go and watch Saints versus Newcastle this down in so Southampton. Cool, and they want me to basically escort them from London, which is where I live, oh, yeah. to the Saints game. <clears throat> and uh, I think it'd be quite good. For, I think you know us and our listeners, we could actually make this quite good fun. I think perhaps we could um, you know pick up a few people on the way. So I think my brother's up for coming. I think there's a few other kind of like London-based saints. It's it's currently the 27th of October, which is a Saturday, and that's presuming it doesn't get changed for the telly. Um, 
but it could be quite fun. So we'll probably be starting off from East London around about 11 o'clock in the morning, taking them on the tube, taking them on the train down to Southampton, probably stop in a pub somewhere between Southampton Central and the ground and walk up to the ground. And it'd be nice to pick up more and more Saints fans. Count me in for this, along John, the I think. Way. I think it's going to be good fun. It's this Newcastle at home, you yeah, say? Yeah, Newcastle at home. It's a winnable game. Winnable game. And um, I think we can have a bit of fun here, and I think we can we can show the best of Saints fans on Japanese television because because you see, there's our second Japanese after Tandari Lee, yeah. So who scored one wonder goal? Yeah, did we uh, not have any Japanese players before him? I can't. I don't imagine we did. Think so. Um, but yeah, like I've been to Japan. They're fiercely passionate about football. Mm. Fiercely passionate about sport. They love Yoshida. Uh, and he also does seem to be the nicest bloke in the world. Yeah, I mean, they are the politest oh, God, group of yeah. people on, on the planet. I mean, I went on nicest a holiday to ever. Japan and yeah. it, was, it was amazing. It, it, hardly anyone was able to speak English, but they didn't <laughs> stop them desperately trying to help me in every single situation. Oh, yeah. if you Even ask if for I di- didn't need any help. If you ask for directions, they don't direct you. They walk you to where you want to go, yeah. no matter how far the way, out of their way but, is. Which is essentially, so I'm getting to repay the favour by walking them through the whole journey from London to St. Mary's. And which, which Japanese TV, is it Asuri Shimbun or is it uh, Nippon? Or? <laughs> now, now you're testing my, uh, my knowledge. Let's have a look. Um, oh, mate, you, you, you've put me on the spot here. Right, so it's a sports media company. So I don't know what I don't know what channel that's going to go out on. But it, it, anyway, it's fantastic, John. Yeah, but and it's, what a great it's quite thing exciting. to do. So if you fancy joining us um, on that, whether you want to join us, you know, just outside the ground in the pub between the station at the station if you're traveling down from london i think the more saints fans we can kind of crowbar into the <laughs> television feature the better yeah we have lots lots of fun with it and um i think obviously the more saints fans the more likely that's going to get lots of coverage and it'll do it'll do well for japan's for the J- japanese contingency yeah. of saints fans a bit like that band shampoo that are really big in japan but couldn't sell a single record in the uk i've never even heard of them they were terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is great, John. Definitely do this. <laughs> so yeah, if you fancy getting involved in that, just email us saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com and I'll keep you up to date with our schedule and our movements on the day and hopefully we can meet up and have a bit of fun with that. Um, also, next week is International Week. Um, so in terms of doing a podcast on Saints performances, don't think we'll bother. I did speak to Klaus Lundic Farm though oh, recently. How was that, John? It was really, really fascinating. He stayed on the line for a, a very long period of time um, and he went into absolutely everything. So, I mean, we talked, you know, from all subjects to him joining Southampton... Um, playing alongside, you know, killer. Ali, Ali Dia, <laughs> uh, Killer, yeah, you know, Letizia. But we also went into um, some very kind of like quite dark, dark side things yeah, that happened tough after times, he retired. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, and, and some things that you just you just wouldn't believe that even a human being could survive. So, I mean, it's definitely one that's worth looking out for. I'll try and get it out next week to um, fill the the void that is left by Saints as, as England get back to international duty. But as, yeah, one to listen out for, perhaps one for the grown-ups, not necessarily one for the kids because we do go down some pretty dark alleyways in it. Yeah, I, I think it'll be fun. I mean, genuinely, he seems like one of the most complex, interesting characters to put on a Saints shirt, uh, for, you know, in a long, long time. In, in an era where... 
fans of sorry uh, players seem to be increasingly sort of one dimensional yeah he struck me as a very interesting man so I look forward to that yeah definitely right so anyway I think that's enough for us I mean and before we have any more kind of interruptions I don't know what's going to happen next maybe the power's going to go out maybe my Godzilla house Godzilla will invade yeah for, um, but anyway so uh, thank you very much for sticking through all those interruptions um, and of course do let us know what you think of the podcast saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com or at saintsfcpodcast on Twitter get in touch with us if you're going to be going to the Saints Newcastle game and you fancy ending up on um, Japanese <laughs> television, being big in Japan, like the band Shampoo. Um, Someone yeah. will know who Shampoo is and will be nodding at that reference, Yeah, okay. Um, but that's it from me. So, uh, cheerio, Saints, and oh, how good does it feel to have got a win under our belts? Two, John. Two wins under it's our amazing. belts. amazing. Anyway, cheerio for now, everyone. Thanks very much. Bye.